0: Many of us have uh, favorite Bible verses that have impacted us over over the years. Perhaps a verse that that somebody gave to us when we're in the middle of a, a difficult time that sustained us and encouraged us. Uh, maybe a, a verse that was important to us as a kid we learned in Sunday school. Uh, maybe a verse that we just kind of God brought to our mind and to our heart as we were reading uh, through through his word. Some of the ones that have impacted me over the years are... There are many, I'd like to share a couple of them with you this morning. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days aright, O Lord, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Romans 5.8, powerful, speaks of God's love. God demonstrates his love in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Psalm 46, verse 10, God is our rock and our refuge and ever-present help in time of trouble. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In a passage that I memorized when I was a young man, Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. At different times during my life, the Holy Spirit has brought these verses and many, many more to bear in my life, to encourage me, to direct me, to empower me, to assure me. As Isaiah 55, 11 states, God's word will not return to him void, but will accomplish a purpose for which he sent it. Today, we're continuing our sermon series in the book of Joshua. And the passage that was just read by Sonia uh, focuses on a time when when Joshua brings the people of Israel together at Mount Ebal, they build an altar, they, they worship, and then they read God's word and they hear God's word. They listen to God's word. It tells us so at the end of these verses. Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel including the women and children and the aliens who lived among them. You may have noticed, but part of our name is is Covenant as a church. And that comes from our, our denominational background, Evangelical Covenant Church of America. And the reason Covenant is a part of our name is because, because we, we believe that we have a covenant with God that God has established with us. We also have a covenant that we established with each other. It's about relationship, relationship with each other. And most importantly, relationship with God, the father. And and God calls his people just as he does in Joshua chapter eight. After they've been through some good times and some bad times, God calls his people to gather together and to renew their covenant with him, primarily by reading and listening to God's word. And then, of course, the implication is by doing obeying God's word. By moving forward and doing and obeying God's word. What we're going to be doing this morning is, is we're using Joshua 8 as kind of a home base. We're also going to focus quite a bit of the message on a parallel passage which speaks about the importance of, of knowing and, and, and receiving and, and listening and obeying God's word. It's a passage that's familiar to many of us. In, in Jesus, it's a parable that Jesus taught—the parable of the four soils out of Luke chapter eight. I want to read this passage, make some comments, and then pull us back to Joshua eight. This is Jesus speaking, or Jesus will be speaking here in a minute. While a large crowd was gathering and the people were coming to Jesus from town to town, he told this parable: A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it, and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They bleed for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. Now, as Kansans, we ought to pretty quickly understand this. We're familiar with soil. We're familiar with farmers. We're familiar with seed, with the elements. We're familiar with crops being grown and harvested. And it doesn't take much to figure out this parable. Some of the parables are pretty difficult to figure out. But this one is pretty straightforward because Jesus himself gives a clear explanation of what it means in verses 11 through 15. Jesus says people can receive the word of God with a soft heart. People can receive God's word with a hard heart. They can receive God's word with a distracted heart. And they can receive God's word with a, a fickle heart. But what is God, Jesus saying about God's word and why it is so important to receive it and what difference can it make, should it make, will it make in our lives if we receive it and let it take root. Jesus says this in verse 12. Those along the path of the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they cannot believe and be saved. Now, why does the devil want to take away God's word? Again, it's self-explanatory because the word of God changes hearts. It points the way of salvation. It transforms lives. It renews minds. It spirits in life. It changes us. And certainly the devil doesn't want us to be changed. Now, I want to make something clear about understanding the word of God. We are called to use all of our intellectual ability to understand and to study God's word to understand what it means for our lives, the context, the history. what is it? How is it relevant to us? How do we apply it? But it's not like trying to understand quantum physics. Some people can understand quantum physics. Most of us cannot. But all can understand the word of God. The ability to understand the word of God is not primarily a function of the intellect. It's a function of the will. It's a choice that we make. When the Holy Spirit comes into our life, do we want to be spiritually perceptive and receptive? If we want to understand God's word as we pursue it and seek it through through prayer, through counsel, God's spirit will bring it to bear in our lives. We'll be understand able to understand his truth. That's why. But it's a matter of choice. We have to open our heart and our mind. That's why you can compare lives. Uh, Maybe two people come to the same church. And and they hear the same sermons. and, And they read the same scripture. One person's life is changed dramatically. How they use their time, their money, their relationships, whatever. It's radically different. You can see the difference in their lives. The other person may not open themselves up to God's truth. May not seek to make it a priority to understand it. And they'll be relatively unchanged. There's a story about John Wesley who was the a circuit-riding preacher in the U.S. and England during the 18th century. The story goes that he was riding through the countryside in England and a man approached him, a robber, and asked for his money. Wesley gave him the money. As a man turned to, t- turned to get away, Wesley said, I have one more thing to give you. He said, you may live to regret this sort of life that you're living. And if you ever do, remember what the Word of God says. The blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you from your sin. The robber ran away into the night and Wesley continued his journey. Years later, at the close of a Sunday evening service, a stranger stepped forward and and Wesley instantly recognized him as the man who had robbed him years earlier. The man was no longer a thief, he was a successful businessman. And he told Wesley how that that short promise from God's word had had taken root in his heart and had led to his conversion. He He heard it, he received it. And he was changed. That's what God's word can do for you. Jesus said this in verse 13. Those on the, rocks, or on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. You know, I've been, in, in, been a pastor for over 20 years. And um, I've been involved with a lot of different situations in people's lives, whether it's counseling during time of grief, whether it's helping with a struggling marriage or a wayward child, whether it's sickness or illness, um, all sorts of situations. And, and I've noticed that there is a huge difference in the way that people respond if they're people of the word or not. People who are grounded in God's word, who know God's word, are able to to find the, the perseverance and the strength and the power and, and the grace to persevere through difficult times. There's a difference in the way that they face the problems that life sends their way. But the word of God never promised that we'll live without problems. It doesn't say that. In fact, it says the opposite. Jesus says you will have tough times. But the word of God does promise that we can live through them and above them and in them as we trust in God's word and lean upon, not our own understanding. Listen to the Apostle Peter's words in 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13, what he says about hard times. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you will have the wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it is displayed to all the world. God's word, when it takes root in our life, can help us to have that attitude, to persevere, to find the strength and the wisdom to deal with our problems. And we allow it to take root through, through reading it, through memorizing it, through understanding it, by studying it, by applying it. But as the old hymn says, to trust and obey there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey verse 14 the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear but as they go in their way they are choked by life's worries riches and pleasures and they do not mature now these people that Jesus is talking about here hear God's word and they accept it but over a period of time Other things become more and more important and the word of God becomes less and less a priority. Things like money or career advancement or a nice home or or wonderful experiences, great vacations, a boat, television, sports, relationships. Not necessarily bad things, but these things become higher and higher priorities and and God's word is, 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 is crowded out and doesn't produce what it's intended to produce in our lives. Jim Dennison, a pastor of a Baptist church in Dallas, tells a story of when he was in college. He served as a summer missionary in East Malaysia. And during one of their services, a a teenage girl came forward to announce her decision to follow Christ and to be baptized. And he noticed, uh, leaning against the wall, there was a pile of worn-out luggage. And he asked about it. And the pastor of the small church pointed to it, and then pointed to the girl. And he said, her father said if she was baptized as a Christian, she could never come home again. So she brought her luggage. She understood what was to come first in her life. It was, it was the, the presence of Christ, the, the person of Christ, the word of God. Our relationship with God includes hearing and obeying his word, and it should come first. Everything else is to fall into order after that. Now, many of you have seen this illustration or read about it, the, When a seminar speaker stands before you talking about time and priorities and they they have a, a glass jar and they put some rocks in there and they ask, can we put more in there? Yes, you can. He puts in more, he puts in some pebbles and he puts in sand and he pours water on top of it until it's full. There's no more room for anything else. And he asks, what's the point? And somebody might say, well, if we really work at it, we can always fit more into our life, which is the way most of us live, isn't it? But the point really isn't that. The point is, if you don't put the big things in first, you will never get them in. Make sure, spiritually speaking, that we do the big things first. The word of God is the the big rock in our lives. It's to be the anchor. The rest is filler. Don't let things in life crowd out God's word. Keep it as your top priority, and it'll help order the rest of your life. Verse 15. For the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble heart and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. You know, success in the spiritual life is determined by commitment and by obedience. The willingness to put God's word to work in your life will lead to a spiritual harvest. And it's a, it's a guaranteed return. If we pour our life into living according to the principles of God's word. God will not let that go to waste. Our life will become something that touches and impacts the lives of others. and will make a difference in the world in which we live. Now, Jesus told this parable so that we would understand the danger of neglecting God's word in our lives, but also the benefits of applying God's word to our lives. If we neglect it, we become hard-hearted less sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Our heart won't be changed like it could be. Our problems can overwhelm us. Our priorities never get straightened out. Our lives are less than productive. But if we seek to understand the Word of God and to apply it, it will change our lives. We'll find the strength and the help to, to face the problems we have in life. It'll help us to order our life correctly. And it will cause us to be productive for God. This is what the word of God can do for you. He who has ears, Jesus says, let them hear. Back in Joshua 8, the people of God were called together. They had come through a great victory, but right prior to that, they had gone through an awful time where Achan and the family sinned had entered the camp and, and there was there were awful consequences. And God called his people together to renew their covenant through worship and through reading and hearing and implication of the doing of God's word. May we be people who do this thing. People who are founded and anchored in God's word. Who hear it and who do not have the distractions of life crowded out, but, but hear it and do it. And as we do so, we'll make a difference in the world around us. That's what God's word can do for us. We're going to conclude with a before the closing song, there was a video clip a few weeks ago. Some people in our church were interviewed about the importance of God's word in their life. Some favorite scriptures and how those scriptures have changed them and helped them as they try to live for Jesus.
1: Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we are not fully experiencing His perfect love. Um, This verse became one of my favorite verses in a time of life where I had fear of just who I was and um, just felt imperfect and unloved, and um, I just realized that I could really rest in the fact that God truly loved me and that, although I'm a sinner, that He perfectly made me. And um, it just took this burden of judgment and fear and um, self-consciousness to be able to give it over to the Lord. And even when that fear comes back, I can reflect on this verse and remember that like He does perfectly love perfectly love me. And I need to like rest in that love. My favorite verse is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives to me strength. Philippians 4.13 is my favorite verse because... When I don't think I can memorize all my breakout verses, God helps me remember all of them. God's used that verse in my life because when um, I share with people, I say that anything, if you believe in God, then you can do anything with God. One of my favorite uh, Bible passages is from 1 Thessalonians, um, book 5, and verse 16. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The reason I think I like this verse so much is because initially it sounds like there's no way I can do that. I'm human. But I think just um, memorizing that verse and having it um, kind of available to me, it just makes me realize that He's not saying be happy, but joyful is very different than happy. Pray continually. I think that's kind of a um, prayerful attitude. And the one about thankful in all um, situations is a little bit harder. But I think as um, I get older and mature, I realize that um, there is good in everything. And if I could just be thankful for that... Even though I don't know what it is always, um, I can still be thankful.
2: My favorite verse is James 1:22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. That's my favorite verse because it reminds me that I need to apply what I learn in church and read in the Bible to my life. He used it in my life because when I'm at school and I'm talking to a friend about religion, then I always know something to say about it because I remember what I read in the Bible or I heard at church. Well, my favorite verse is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And it just it's an amazing verse. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why this is important for me is because I, I know I worry. I know I get anxious. And I, I tend to try and do things on my own. And when I lean on this understanding that is so beyond me, all of a sudden things start to change. And I'm reminded of what that relationship is that big why that is Jesus. And so when we are anxious and worried, we're saying to God, I've got this. I know more than you do. And when we sit back and rest in this verse, at least when I do, that's my why, and I'm not anxious, no matter what the situation is, and I give it back to him, all of a sudden that peace that transcends all understanding takes over. And I'm in God's hands again. And he's walking ahead of me. And I'm following him.
0: Would you you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus said it's spirit and life. And we thank you for that, Lord. That's just not words on a page, but it's something that's transformative. That it can change us, empower us, help us, correct us, direct us. We thank you that it reveals to us who you are and your will and your purpose and your ways. We thank you that it points us to Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the salvation we have when we put our trust in him. Lord, we pray that we would be people of your word and we would be people of the covenant that you've established with us that we would hear and, and that we would listen. And we not only do that, but we would do. We would apply. We would seek to understand. Lord, we pray that wherever we're at spiritually this morning, that you'd help us to begin by putting our emphasis and focus upon your truth, your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you that your promises are good and that they're true. Thank you for your word. Help us to be people of your word. Amen.